What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Ali Khan Bajani of The Athletic, at Rockets underscore Insider. How you doing, man? Good, Salman. How are you? I'm doing all right. So last week, we got into a hardened discussion with Jonathan Fagan in the Houston Chronicle, and I thought that would be the end of it. And, you know, we wouldn't have to talk about it again until he actually got traded. And of course, I was wrong. Of course, I was being naive. Uh, Tim McMahon of ESPN drops this massive James Harden column where he talk, where he talks about the level of control Harden inflicted on the franchise. He talks about how Harden would often stay in particular cities an extra day so he could do his extracurricular activities, uh, how the Rockets' practice schedule became flexible to Harden's desire. Uh, and that became the news item, right? Because it was juicy. But I think if... If you followed the team closely over the past few years, as you and I have, none of that was particularly surprising. And I was pretty vocal vocal about how I didn't care about Harden's extracurricular activities. That doesn't particularly concern me. I think the most damning thing from that piece is Tim reports that Harden leveraged his power to get Westbrook traded to Houston and went as far as demanding to be traded if it didn't happen. I think that's about as damning as it can get. What did you take away from that article? Yeah, so so that point is very interesting because I, I when the trade first occurred on July 11th uh, of 2019, I you know I I reported myself that Harden had spoken with uh, the front office in the off season and and asked you know for Russell Westbrook to become his teammate again. Um, I at that point in time I did not know um, that um, that you know he even asked himself that hey if you don't bring in Russ I want I want to be traded myself. So that that was very interesting because. You know that, that it was out of that he wanted to play with Russell Westbrook again, especially after the playoffs. But to to hear the fact that he even threatened by saying, "Hey, if you don't even trade for us, I'm out of here," that's that's really damning. I agree with you. By the way, it was very clear uh, where these leaks were coming from, but that's a separate discussion. Uh, what ma- <laughs> what matters is this stuff is all true, and the Westbrook piece tells us that Harden has been dissatisfied with the franchise for over a year now. You, you know, one, one thing someone I, I also want to make sure that people understand is that some, some of the stuff that was in that piece, it's in that piece and it's released for a reason. Uh, but it's not all too different from what other players do around the league as well. Now, they're not in a public trade negotiation as uh, James Harden is with the Houston Rockets franchise right now. But that being said, other players also do these similar things where they have the power, they have the authority they have they have the ability to kind of make an impact on the organization and kind of do things the, the way they want to do. It's all it always comes down to making sure your star players happy. 
It's not just about what you do off the court, but it's also what you do on the court. Whatever the star player's preferences, that's what the coaching staff is going to tailor towards doing. So although we saw with this, in this whole James Harden piece, it's not surprising for, for you and I because we see it on a daily basis. But it's also important to understand this is not entirely too different from what happens around the league as well. Yeah, and I think if you're an organization, that's your job. Your job is to keep the superstar player happy, especially if that player is someone of Harden's caliber. Uh, so, you know, if you have to reschedule a practice every now and then, yeah, it might be a little annoying, but it's something you got to do. It's like something you charge to the game, right? It's like it's it's the cost of doing business. And I don't think yeah. that's that big of a deal. I think the Westbrook piece is is really where it's like, okay, like this is something else entirely. What's fascinating is the next day, there's just this massive news dump on the Harden front where Shams and Waj are reporting that Ben Simmons has become available in trade talks and that Houston has expanded trade talks beyond Harden's preferences and that teams were becoming more and more comfortable with the idea of trading for Harden. It's pretty clear with it where these leaks were coming from as well. Um, yes. And, and I know there's this conspiracy theory that perhaps is coming from Clutch Sports, but really... Houston has the most to gain from putting this stuff out there. And then Daryl Morey decides to throw his hat in the ring uh, of the posturing ring by declaring that Ben Simmons was not, in fact, on the table. And obviously, nobody in the media believes him. Uh, Daryl famously said that he was 100% not going to trade Chris Paul last summer. And obviously, we know what what, what ended up happening. That was a week before it happened, by the way. That was a week before the Chris Paul trade came out and said that. So, yes, I agree. We don't believe him. Yeah, all of this stuff is very amusing. And honestly, I didn't extract much value from it. I feel like I, I didn't learn anything. Like, I've always suspected that more teams were interested in, in trading for Harden mm-hmm. than that was being speculated in the media. Like, he's one of the 30 greatest, greatest players of all time. Uh, there's going to be interest there. Um, it just felt like a full hour of posturing. Like, did you feel like you learned anything there? No, I, I didn't. And I completely agree with you. I think when it comes down to it, fans have to understand that. These are lawyers. These are people who are trained professionals at leveraging and creating leverage for themselves and against others. And, and, and this is, that's all it was. It was all games against each other to make sure that the narrative existed and that people around the league, even if they were involved in trades or not, knew you know, from a pers- specific narrative what was going on. And I think for those sides, they did accomplish that goal. Um, for people like ourselves who understand where these are coming from, they didn't accomplish the goal. We didn't really learn anything. But I think they did make an impact, especially in the public, when it comes to perception about Harden and the trade. Right. Like that that initial Tim article was very tailored to driving down Harden's value. And the leaks the next day were like a rebuttal, essentially. And so what I wanted to do today is um, talk about basketball, because I feel like I haven't been able to do that for a while because I've been on Harden watch for the past three weeks. And... The Rockets play their first game in two weeks, and I, I've waited until the last second to record this podcast, and I can't wait any longer. And you know what we're going to do today? We're going to do this podcast as if the roster that's here will be the roster that's there at the end of the season. Because look, I can't predict the future. Alikon, I don't think you can predict the future. Wow. We can only make guesses. My best guess is, is Harden gets ready for the trade deadline, but I can't predict that for sure, nor can I predict the return. what the return will be. So we're going to do this entire podcast with no assumptions made. The roster is the roster. Uh, let's talk about what this team could be. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm down with that. I, I, and I, I, I mean, you said trade deadline. I still think he stays here the whole season. So let's see what happens. Right, right. I mean, there's a bunch of predictions out there. So yeah. everywhere you look, it's doom and gloom for the Rockets this season, right? Like mm-hmm. I've seen several predictions that the Rockets 
uh, that have the Rockets missing the playoffs at this point. Even locally, the fan base seems to be a bit down on the team. And I actually, for the first time since the Ty Lawson trade, where I uh, very stupidly predicted that the Rockets would win the championship that season, I think I'm actually higher on the Rockets than most people, including the fans here locally. Ali Khan, after the second preseason game, I texted you, and this is before Christian Woods' debut, this roster is very good. If Harden is engaged, this could be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And I'm just going to read to you what you texted back. Okay. Like you said, what? And that's in all caps, by the way. And then you said, quote, I'm not sold yet. And so, and I was just confused because I hate being Mr. Pom-Poms with the Rockets because that's not naturally what I do. So, but objectively, when you look at the roster, all their bets are paying off. John Wall looks really good and engaged defensively. DeMarcus okay. Cousins seems to have revived his career with three-point shooting. Okay. David Nwaba looks good uh, coming off the Achilles. Christian Wood, and I know it's only been one game, but he looks like a stud. And probably most importantly, James Harden looks engaged. He doesn't look like he's pouting or slumping his shoulders or not trying on defense. Now, obviously, this trade thing is going to hang over the entire season. And we're going to keep asking them a question about it until it goes away. But here's the thing. I actually think they've done a pretty good job insulating themselves on that front. Like, I don't think it's seeping into the locker room. So tell me why I'm wrong, Alikon. Tell me why you're not sold yet. Why can't this team be really good this year? I, 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 my cop-out answer, Solomon, is going to be, I just don't know how this season's going to go with all the James Harden stuff going on. But I will say I have been very impressed with the leadership of DeMarcus, of DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall and P.G. Tucker, for the matter, um, when it comes to this whole thing. They're being engaged in the locker room. They're establishing a new culture and identity within the team. Uh, P.G. has even discussed his role and how important he takes it to be a role model. Um, he's becoming a role model for not only Jay Shante, but for Christian Wood, the same way DeMarcus Cousins has been. Uh, John Wall has really taken these guys under their wings as well. Um, he's been very vocal in practice. Silas has been very, very vocal, even telling the media about how vocal John Wall has been. So, from, from, a, from a standpoint of culture and what you need to be successful in the NBA when it comes to having that culture, I, I think the Rockets have really done a great job of establishing that, especially with Silas in his first season. Now, the reason why I texted you what in all caps is because I'm still not 100% sold on John Wall, on DeMarcus Cousins, and David Nwaba to be consistent performers for the season. Now, it's not just about the Achilles. It's also because they haven't played five-on-five basketball at a high level, or at least they haven't played a lot of five-on-five basketball for an extended period of time. And you're going to be relying on three of those guys to be part of your top to eight to nine contributors every game this season. I still am not sold yet because of that. So as of right now, I reserve the judgment to say, you know what? It's a maybe of how they're good they're going to be. You think they'll be really good. I still have them making the playoffs, but I may not be as high on, on them as you as you may be. Here's the thing. By, by the way, DeMarcus Cousins seems to be like the coolest dude. Like, I the, probably the coolest player I've ever interviewed. Like, I, I can see why players around the league like him so much. Uh, and you, you're right about the culture. Like, it, I think it might have actually benefited them to, like, not have Harden in the locker room those first uh, two or three days because they, they developed, like, this own their own, like, separate culture aside from Harden before Harden yeah. got integrated into the group. And I think that might have benefited them. And I think Harden is seeing what they have there. And, he, you know, I'm not I, I'm not saying that he's being persuaded to stay by any means. I still don't know where he, where he is on that. Only he can tell. 
us where he where he lands on that. Today he gave his non-answer about uh, was it next question? I think he said next question yeah. when he was asked about it. So so we won't know whether or not he's being persuaded one way or the other until he uh, says something about it. Um, but by all indications, he still wants to trade. But I don't think it's affecting their culture very much. He still seems to be engaged with the team. You saw it in the preseason games. He's pulling young guys aside. He's he's teaching them stuff. He's he's talking to Stephen Salas like as if he's a regular basketball coach. Not not the basketball coach of the team would not like to be on anymore. He's he's just talking to him like a basketball coach. And if you're a Rockets fan, I think I think you take that in the positive column. Yeah. Hey. One thing, Soma, that really did stick out to me in the preseason especially was there was one play uh, early on in that game in, uh, against San Antonio, game, the last game of the preseason where Christian Wood played with James. And Harden attacked off a dribble. He passed the ball to Eric. Eric passed the ball to Christian Wood at the top of the key. And while all that happened, James didn't just stop and wait for a shot attempt. He himself relocated back to the corner. Wood attacked. Pass it to Harden. Harden hit three. I mean, that's something I know it's very small. And he did do that. I don't want to say he never has relocated before. But the fact is that he's he relocated. He caught the pass, hit the shot, and he dapped up Christian Wood going back down the other end. I mean, those are very small things that are very positive if you're a Rockets fan to see that, hey, this guy, like you said, is staying engaged, number one. Number two, he's building chemistry with the star at the five that you brought in just to play with James and maximize his strengths. And then also you're establishing culture. You're hoping that James, somebody who is maybe not seen by others outside the organization as a leader, but at least within the organization, he is seen as a leader. He is one of the three leaders every single season the last few years that's been here. So I think with those positive signs, maybe if you know, and as like I said, if he stays the whole season, that can be that can be something great because you have somebody who clearly is no matter what's going on outside, no matter what's going on in terms of trade rumors. He is engaged. He has bought into what Salas wants to do, and that's a great sign for the Rockets. I think their offense is going to be awesome. Like, I'm not worried about, like, the Harden and Wall fit. Like, they have shooting at four positions at all times. Wall's defense mm-hmm. is going to complement Harden's uh, a hell of a lot more than Westbrook's defense. I think it's going to benefit him to be more off the ball. I think Wall is a more natural distributor for those second units uh, than Westbrook when Harden sits. And their bench units in general are going to be much more productive than what they were last year. Like Eric Gordon and DeMarcus Cousins are going to help the scoring. Sterling Brown and David Nwaba and Jay Sean Tate, who looks like a steal of a pickup, by the way, from Australia, uh, will help their defense. Uh, This team just makes sense to me. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like last year's team was very confusing and this one's not. Like I can see what Rafael Stone was trying to accomplish here. And, and, you know, one thing that we heard in the introductory press conference with Stone and with Silas was the, 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 the term optionality or versatility. And we're seeing that there's not just going to be one way to play with this team. This roster has a construct of multiple guys who can play multiple ways. And just to give you a better example of that, you know, the Rockets are not just playing a switch defense. They're playing drop coverage. They even ran a little bit of press and high press in transition. Um, and that's because they brought in defenders who are versatile. You have Sterling Brown, who is a great press type of defender and somebody that the coaching staff really wants to work with him on that. You have David Nwaba, who can not only play on the switches, but he's even better at fighting over screen and staying on the hip of the offensive player. You have P.J. Tucker, who we already know how great he is defensively, and you can be an excellent help defender, especially at this stage of his career. So you know, what it comes down to, they just have, like you said, 
pieces that fit. And I think when, you, when you're trying to come up with a team and build chemistry, it's not just about continuity. It's about bringing guys who can complement each other and play to each other's strengths. And I think the way this team is set up to play as to play with multiple options and, and be able to be versatile, this team has the capability of just really complementing each other on both ends. And I think you lost some of the redundancy with Westbrook, right? Like, I think there was a redundancy in role with Harden and Westbrook in that they, they were both scoring guards that were high usage and, you know, wanted to operate in similar roles. And I don't, I don't think that exists with John Wall. I think John Wall is very content with being a 10 assists a game kind of guy, right? That's what he's been his entire career. He's been a 20 and 10 guy. He can score, but he's not really, you know, looking to score. He's really looking to pass first. And I think... Next to Harden, it just makes a lot of sense. That kind of guard makes a lot of sense. And again, like I just, I think offensively, like I think they're going to be one of the best offenses in the NBA. Defensively, they're, you know, Christian Wood is going to be a huge question mark. And I guess we can talk about that right now. Like I, I, I think Christian Wood is not like a, like a, a huge negative defensively, but I, from the the few games that I watched this summer uh, of Christian Wood, just to learn how how he moves his feet, like he's much more comfortable in switch coverages than drop coverage, which is which is very different. Like it's like something surprising for a man his size. Normally, you know, like seven footers are more accustomed to playing drop coverage and switch coverages. He looks like he's more comfortable playing out on the perimeter and switch in switching type defenses than he is you know, playing as a traditional rim protector. I don't think, you know, like, I think it's a little bit like Clint Capella where like Clint Capella, it took a while to learn how to play in a drop coverage because he just was not a natural rim protector. I think you might have that. You might have a similar problem here with Christian Wood. And I I don't think they're going to switch very much when like DeMarcus Cousins on the floor. I think they're going to play drop coverage. And I think really what they can be defensively is really what Christian Wood can be defensively. If he can be, what Houston wants him to be as a drop coverage kind of guy and someone who can switch, they're in a really positive spot. That's what that's what Clint Capella was in 2018, right? He could do both. If he if he's struggling to do one of those things, um, you know, they might be, you know, 15 to 20 defensively. And that's, you know, that's a very good team. You know, you have to have five offense, you know, 15 to 20 in defense, that's gonna get you 50, 52 games, 52 wins. Like that's where I project them being. We're gonna talk about that in a minute, but that's not going to get you, you know, high fifties, but perhaps even sixty wins. Where you're talking title contention, you, you know, for, for me, when it comes to Christian Wood defensively, I think what we're going to really see is a throwback to what we saw last few seasons with Capella and Harden. And you know, they ran two different types of defenses. They ran a fifty-five defense and a fifty-four defense. And for our listeners out there, fifty-five defense is basically it's like five by five. You switch everything. All five positions are switching on the floor at the same time. 54 is a little bit different, and that's something they like to rant, they like to do with James Harden and Clint Capella, where besides Harden and Capella, they would not switch anything else. So what I mean by that is if there was a pick and roll involving Harden's man and Capella's man, that would be the only switch because you can trust James to defend in the post and, and hold his own against bigger bats. I think that we may see something similar this season with that, where Harden's strengths are to stay in the post no matter what happens, no matter what the coverage is. And I think you're going to have the coaching staff play that type of role where if it's, you know, Eric Gordon or if it's John Wall, they're going to fight over screens because they're very good at kind of staying at the tip of the offensive player. And you're going to have James and maybe Christian Wood just switch because you can trust James to hold his own and also force turnovers and rebound the basketball. Then you have Christian Wood 
who is great in transition and can leak out as well as a shooter. So I think that's maybe what the happy medium will be for Garden. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more of total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there is no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And if if John Wall is playing the kind of defense he is in preseason throughout the course of the regular season, like that's an that's an entire game changer. Like he is just like in preseason, particularly one on one coverages, he's just looked so locked in. And part of this is he's just so happy to play basketball again. You can tell that every single time he's on on the floor, he just looks really joyous and happy. And he's trying really hard on that end of the floor. Which you know, with John Wall over the past few years, you know, I'm not sure like you know how many people have watched him like he's just very inconsistent with his effort on that end of the floor like he can be like you know 2014 15 where he made all all defensive third team but he can also be like or all defensive second team excuse me but he could also be like 2017 18 where it's like he's a shell of himself and i think you know getting the surgeries getting the bone spurs out is going to help him he looks more mobile looks more aggressive on that end of the floor he looks like he's playing without reticence which I think was a big part in why he moved so slowly and, you know, was very cautious of jumping off certain feet. And I think, you know, he was a guy who was like leading a league in blocks, like not, you know, literally leading the league, but among, among guards, he was one of the leaders because he was just meeting guys at the rim and he was just nonstop effort, especially in transition defensively. And if he can become that guy again, or just a, some semblance of that guy where he's actually trying hard defensively, for an entire season, like that's a game changer for them. Just, just a complete, they have not had that since Chris Paul uh, in 2019. For me, for me, when it comes to John Wall, it's going to really come down to how he holds up off the ball. You mentioned on the ball. He had a little bit of struggle in the preseason, but that's to be expected with Russ. But um, for me, it's going to come down to off the ball. And what I mean by that is he's great on the ball, especially at 14 turnovers with his quick hands. But off the ball is where he's going to be targeted. Is he going to be able to be a quick 
and, and just play a lot of quickness with this Hawk defense. Is it going to be able to rotate effectively? With the way the Rockets are going to play, especially in drop coverage, they're going to help off that corner. And sometimes John Wall may be in that corner. Is he going to be able to step up, you know, uh, disrupt a lot? Is he going to be able to step up, take a charge? That's what I'm going to be paying attention to is how he does, especially on the help side, because teams will definitely pick on him um, after the injury. Yeah, and and so the Rockets made a pretty big decision today where um, Steven Silas came out and said publicly that, and and I suspect that this has been the case for a while, that Eric Mm -hmm. Gordon was going to come off the bench and that Daniel House would start. So I asked this question preseason to Ben Dubose when I had him on this podcast, you know, like, and I asked this to Daniel House, you know, like uh, during media day or media week, uh, rather. Like, would he be ready for that kind of role? Because that's asking a lot for him defensively. Being a starting caliber small forward is completely different from being an off-the-bench small forward. That's just asking a lot from you defensively. You're, you're mm-hmm. not just, like, defending, like, the best perimeter players. You're you're also doing a lot weak side, you know? You, you're you asked to do a lot of communication, too. You know, I I, I, I think he, he can be a good defender, right? Like, But I, I, I have seen moments where he's just inconsistent and not there and these are moments when he's thriving offensively like it's not always the case where he's like having an awesome night offensively and he's just thriving defensively sometimes those those things aren't in unison I've seen you know I've seen nights where that they're not both on par and I think if if he's ready for that type of role it's it's just something that's something to watch because I I don't know if he's ready for that role yeah, you know that, and, the, and part of the re- that's part of the reason why I asked him a few days ago. Like, why did he lose weight? What did he do to his body to kind of put himself in better position to be successful? He mentioned endurance, right? He mentioned that he wants to have better endurance, be able to have better conditioning. But if you look at the weight difference between last year and this year, he's lost five pounds. But when you look at it physically, he's a lot more cut. And what I mean by that is a lot he, more. He looks like Corey possible. Brewer. Like he looks like Corey Brewer. He's lost a lot of upper body weight, and you've noticed that, right? Like he's lost a lot more upper body weight than he did last, than he had last year. And I think that's really going to allow him to play quicker, play faster, be able to you know keep that same energy he needs to on both ends. I think, it's, and it's also, and we've noticed in uh, in the preseason the way he's been used used offensively is not just as a spot up shooter, but attacking in transition, getting back to what he was so good at in the early part of his tenure in Houston when he had that great stretch as a two way player. So I think that's what I'm interested in seeing. Is he going to be able to go back that, um, you know, uh, going back to what he was, but also using this new body that he has of being more lean, being more cut, being able to be faster, have more endurance to be successful. Yeah, yeah. And I think this this role is going to really benefit Eric Gordon. Like, And I talked about last season yeah. where I thought it didn't really matter like where Eric Gordon played off the bench or starting. Because I yeah. thought you know, at the end of the day, he was going to close games. So it didn't really matter. But it really did seem to hurt him offensively that there wasn't a consistency there. And, th- and this is something he talked about today uh, in pressers today. Like he, It seems like he, he's always just wanted consistency. Like Just t- tell me what I'm going to do. Am I going to come off the bench this season or am I going to start? Because he's never had that since 2018, right? That that year that the Rockets made the Western Conference Finals where like it's a very clear and definite role what he's doing on both ends of the floor. When he's starting, he's doing a lot more off-ball stuff and catching and shooting and defensively he's guarding the best assignment. When he's coming off the bench, he's he's asked to do more stuff offensively and and you know, dribbling, you know, bring the ball up a little bit more and and cat and pull-up threes, which I think he he's actually better at than catch and shoot threes, which is surprising, but it's been 
consistent throughout his career. So like, I actually think this will benefit him offensively, defensively. I think he'll be fine, but offensively, I think, I mean, this was reported during uh, the off season, you know, and he got made fun of for this because he just didn't have a great season. But like, I do believe that players just want to know what they're going to do more first and foremost. Like they don't really care as long as they're getting their minutes. I don't think they care whether that's starting or coming off the bench. I think players nowadays are smart enough to know you can come off the bench and still close games. And I think that's going to be the case with Eric Gordon. But I think you know, I think what, what players want more than anything nowadays is just tell me what I'm going to do. I, I want a defined yeah. role. And I think yes. I think this is going to help it help him a lot. Yeah, you know, one additional point I want to make on Eric Gordon is that you know let, let's look at him defensively. I think you, you mentioned that he's going to have more of a role in an offensive and as, as a bench player um, and, and running the second unit. But defensively, I argue that after the after the loss of Trevor Ariza and and the last two seasons, he was their best point of attack defender besides PG Tucker, and that put a lot of stress on him, especially with his load um, offensively. I think I think that really did affect his shot. Defensively, he's still Eric Gordon, but I think offensively it did affect his shot, especially with the inconsistencies on his role. But I think now when you allow him to have more of a role offensively, and then also at the end close games, it's going to help him not only look great defensively because we know he can, but it's going to allow him to be more fresh because he's going to be a lot more engaged, a lot more empowered to be successful as well on both ends. It, it, p- players don't say it. Players may not even recognize it. But when they're more committed and more involved offensively within the offense and how the movement is going on and the ball movement and everything, which Eric Gordon has, a big, has been a big proponent of since his 10 years began here in Houston, I, I really do think players are more successful. I, mean, I think Eric will be a lot more successful defensively just because of how the offense is moving, how he's going to be a lot more, uh, more of a focal point, and it's going to allow him to stay engaged and be more disruptive defensively. And perhaps the most important element of all this is like he's coming into the season healthy. Right, like yes. he doesn't have he doesn't have like fluid in his knees, and he doesn't have to get that drained mid season like he did last year, right? And I think we're not going to get like a random press conference from Mike D'Antoni telling us, "Oh, Eric Gordon just got his knee drained; he's going to be out for eight weeks." Like what? Like that was that was just the most surprising uh, media availability I've ever been in. Like like yeah. we were just sit, sitting around, and Mike D'Antoni comes back, and he's like, "Oh, uh, by the way, Eric Gordon's going to be out for eight weeks." Like, oh, hold on, hold on, like g- give me five seconds here. You're telling me your third most important player is just going to be out. She's gonna be gone for, for for two months, and and, and you know we, we should just absorb that and 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 not even ask questions. It was just a very strange availability. That was but, very strange. But so yes. I do have a question for you though. You mentioned he was the third most important player. Um, who who are the the three most important players on this current Rockets team right now? Um, I, I I'm guessing the three most important players are obviously Harden. Wall and I'm. I think it's Christian Wood this year. I, I I think Christian Wood is like if if he plays like that, he, I don't expect him to have twenty seven and ten every night. Obviously, but if he's like an eighteen and ten guy consistently, like he's he's just automatically one of the three most important players on this team. I don't care what he is defensively. I just, I don't care. Like he's just that. He's just that good. If he's just that good. He's the, one of the three most important players on this team. And and what he can do offensively as far as floor spacing just changes the complete dynamics of this team. Like what you can do from like a pick and pop level. Like they're running more pick and pops than they ever have on yes. with, with with both of their units. And DeMarcus Cousins, by the way, just his shot is so smooth and so pretty. Like it, it, it's, it's like, and I asked him about this today. Like it's just because it's I was just so curious. Like, is this something he's always been able to do? 
And he apparently, yeah, he's always been able to shoot threes. It's like the modern NBA is just playing into that. And he's, he's just shooting more of them now. And he he looks like such a natural in that role. Uh, but anyways, yes, um, they're running a lot more pick and, pick and pops now and offensively. And if they're going to continue to emphasize him the way they have, he's just, if he's just shooting over guys, and if he's just finishing around the rim with this level of touch, by the way, like people were talking about the floor spacing as if that was the most surprising element of his game. For me, it was the touch. Like his finishing yeah. around the rim, like he was finishing from all sorts of angles in that preseason game. And I he's watched... Taking, he's taking with, contact and finishing soft around the rim. That's the key. Taking contact and finishing. Right, and, and I, I watched Christian Wood before. It's not some like it's not my first Christian Wood game before. I feel like he's gotten better in that department, just finishing at that level. Um, whatever. I mean, like, yeah, I, I think I think he's probably the third guy. I, I think I think they've gotten better from what they were last year, like just offensively, like. And I guess we'll talk about that now. I think they're going to be a top five offense this year. I really do, and that that's what's really driving my Rockets optimism right now. Like, I okay. think they're going to be a top five offense and probably a middle of the pack defense. And if that's the case, if that's the case, they're going to be a 52 win team. And that's kind of where I have them finishing. I guess I can ask you now, like where do you have them finishing both in offense and defense and how many wins? And, and mm-hmm. for, for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to use it an 82 game scale because it's just hard to do the math in real time. Yeah. So in terms of offense, I think they'll definitely have a top five offense. I would venture if James stays this whole season here and everybody stays healthy, they'll have a top three offense. Defensively, here's how I'm going to I'm gonna say it. I agree with you. They're going to be middle of the pack. I think they're going to finish around 15th like they did last year. Now, that's not because they won't improve defensively. I think early on, just because of um, how, how the training camp worked for a lot of teams and just the lack of continuity here, they're going to struggle. But it's not going to be it's not going to be due to lack of effort or problems with scheme. I think it's just going to be the fact that they don't have continuity. I think once we get past and get to the second half of the season and the schedule, I think at that point in time they'll have a top ten defense. They may not finish in terms of overall season ranking in the top ten, but I think once you get to that second half of the season, they will finish with a top ten defensive ranking. So you're so, saying that they start off like twenty and then they end the season like ten, and then it, yeah. it averages out to like fifteen. Yes. Um, wait, 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 hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because we just started this podcast talking about how you were real, way down on the Rockets. And it sounds like I've sold you. It's because you're talking about them being top three, not, not even top five. I was saying top five. You're saying top three in offense, middle of the pack in defense. That's a 50 win team guy, like my guy. Like that, that's just the history of the NBA <laughs> suggests that that's a 50 win team. So I, 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 what are you saying? Are you just saying that they're, they're going to, how are they losing these games then? I, I think when it comes down to it, and, and you know, the more I talk to you, the more I'm thinking about it, the, the key difference between Silas's Dallas teams and Silas's Houston team, I think, before even the season starts, is that the Dallas team struggled, struggled late in games because Luka, as good as he is, he's still not at that level yet in isolation. And now that you have James, right, you have players around who can be successful. I think this Rockets team just takes that Mavericks team, Mavericks offense, and elevates it even more because you have the ability to isolate you, the best player in lead isolation, and let him get to the spot he wants to. And now you can't double, you can't trap, you can't do anything that takes the ball out of his hands without being punished with a wide open three from a pretty good shooter on the floor. I'm not going to surround him with. And so a good three point shooter who can close out on shooters. Yes. Like, I, like yes. Christian Wood can close out and finish at the rim. Yes. And so, so with that being said, I think 
I've always, I even before when I was saying what, I always knew there would be a top three to five offense. For me, it was all about defensively. Um, and, and, and just I, the more I'm thinking about it, the fact that they're going to have a lot more point of attack defenders than they did last year when you include Sterling Brown with how much they want to do press, when you include David Nwaba, when you include P.J. Tucker, you have Eric Gordon, you have John Walls, who you've mentioned. Um, I haven't seen it just yet, but I, I don't discount your eyes. He's probably playing great defensively on the ball as well. I think when you, when you look at the point of attack and what they want to do defensively with drop coverage in a mixture of, of, of schemes with press, uh, trapping, hedging, and, and, and switching, this team can be good when they mix everything up. So I think if the way the projection goes on, they will start the season poor defensively, but as they get more continuity and chemistry, they can vault into that top 10 conversation as they head towards the playoffs. Now, the reason why I said what is because even with all this set, and you said the historical context, I don't know if they're better than at least five teams in the Western Conference. So you're saying that they're going to be a top three offense and a middle of the pack defense. You said 15th, and they're yeah. still not going to win 50 games because because the, the top five teams in the Western Conference are going to win 50 games. I mean, the top three, the top half of the Western Conference is going to win 50 games. Beyond that, I don't. There's going to be a, a bit of a drop off. So I'm I'm confused. Like you're not lining up here, Leekon. Like you're really not. <laughs> it's, it's it's not making any sense. We're not on the same wavelength right now. Bring me in, reel me in. Tell, explain this to me. So, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna really use um, the the 2019-2020 regular season uh, stuff. So, when we look at, for example, the Dallas Mavericks, okay, they had obviously the best offense in the league. They didn't have that bad of a defense. I mean, it was okay. They had a they had a different point differential of almost five. The Rockets had a point differential of three. With that said, the Rockets finished 44 and 28 and were on pace to win 50. Dallas was not going to win 50, but they were going to they were going to they were going to get like high points. Okay. I think a high win team for the Rockets is very possible. So you think they're going to underperform their point differential basically? Cuz that, that's the what Mavericks Dallas or the Rockets. The Rockets cuz that's what the Mavericks did last year. They underperformed their point differential. Like they should have been one of the best teams in the Western Conference, but they underperformed because they weren't good in in close game situations. So you yes. think they're going to be bad in close game situations? I wouldn't. No, I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying close game situations. I'm just saying I. I just think that very similarly. Hey, I think hold, that hold, hold on, hold on, man. So, so where are they losing these games? If they're not losing these games with their offense, they're not. They're not losing these games with their defense. They're not losing these games in close game situations. Where the hell are they losing these games? I'm just saying, man. It's a prediction. All right. No, I'm just saying. I think they finished sixth in the West. I'm That's just saying, okay. Well, listen. Like this is a podcast with logic and facts and numbers. We like using those that <laughs> and and film. You know, occasionally we like using that stuff on this podcast. Like we, this, I'm just saying stuff isn't going to fly. We're going to need more than that. I'm going to let you go for right now because I, I. It seems like you don't really know where you, where you stand on the Rockets. I'm going to let you figure that stuff out. Uh, I, I I I feel like I'm pretty high on this team, and I'm open about it. I think. I think I'm higher than the general public. I'm okay with with, with that because I'm just looking what I've seen with my eyes. Their bets are paying off, and I think if 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 your concern is like, oh, they're not going to be healthy, well, then they're going to lose some offensively, right? Then they're going to lose some defensively, and then the, then you can talk about them being like sixth or seventh in the Western Conference. But you know, uh, you didn't say that, so we're just going to take you for what you said, which was a, a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I think. <laughs> 
I, I think they're going to be very good this year. And the, the the whole the big the biggest caveat the big caveat you know behind this entire podcast is we don't know what's going to happen with James Harden. We don't know if he's going to get traded tomorrow. Yes. We don't know if he's going to get traded the deadline. We don't know if he's going to get traded a month from now. So we're just going to assume for this podcast that the, the talent that they have is the talent that they have because we we can't predict the future. Where do you where do you think they finish in the Western Conference? Third or fourth. Okay, so I'm around five or six. We're not way too far off here. Yeah, but you're saying they're going to win like 40-something games. Yeah, what's the problem with that, man? We're talking about 72-game season. No, stop. That's not what you were saying. That's not what you were saying. You, 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 what you were saying in, in, in that respect was like on an 82-game scale. Where you, You're not going to trick me, all right? <laughs> I, know, I, I know what you said. Um, yeah, I know. I know. But look, 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 look here, here's, my, here's my logic. One more time. Here's my logic. What, I think when it comes down to it, they're going to struggle a little bit early on, okay? And then they're going to finish off the season strong. And with that being said, they can get up to five. Who knows? They could probably be high, as high as three or four as you're saying. But I think a happy medium in terms of what I'm thinking and what's going to happen is a five or a six seed. I don't know the record. I don't know historical context. Just what I'm feeling is a five or a six seed right now. Okay, well, uh, I'm just saying your your gut has something going on with it. Like you, like I, I, you got to get that checked out. Go to a doctor. You know, I, 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 I maybe take some Pepto Bismol. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, like like let's say like like I I think the Lakers are better than them. I think okay. the Clippers, Clippers are better than them. I think the Nuggets okay. are better than them. And yeah, after that, okay. I think the Mavericks could be better than them. And I'm not sure. I'm gonna assume Houston is gonna be better than them. I guess that's wow. my big, that's my bold prediction. I think that I think the Rockets will be better than the Mavericks, and I think they probably land in that fourth area. That you think Portland's area. better than Houston or not? I think Houston's better than Portland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. That's I, where I, I'm at. That, when I say fifth and sixth seed for me, right? That when I say fifth or sixth seed for me, I think the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Mavericks are better than the Rockets right now. And then for me, it's going to come down to: Are they better than Portland, or are they not better than Portland? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand the hype around Portland this season. Okay, so the the, the Robert Covington edition was good. The Enos Cantor yeah. edition was good. But that just makes them marginally better, right? Like, fundamentally, the core pieces are still the same. You know, it's, it's Yusuf Nurkic, it's Damian Lillard, it's CJ McCollum. Very good team. They're not. They're probably not going to be a home court advantage team this year. At, at, least, at least that's what I'm suspecting. I, I just, defensively, like... Nurkic is going to help them. Having having Nurkic for a full season will help for sure, right? Yes. That's going to help. Covington having Covington this year is going to help. Fundamentally, they just will never have enough point of attack defenders with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. That that's where this whole thing always breaks down with with the Blazers, right? Every single year, people people talk themselves in the, into the Blazers, and every single year they have the same problem. They just don't have enough good point of attack defenders. And Robert Covington, as good as he is off the ball, he is not a good enough point of point of attack defender to make up for all of that. He is a good enough. He's a really great help defender. He is not going to be someone dependable to put on Chris Paul in a playoff series, right? Like yeah, it's it's just. Know. Well, he is a very elite help defender. You're absolutely right there. But I, I do think that's going to help them, though, because they do struggle at that point of attack, and having a good help defender there, if they use him properly, could really mask some of the weaknesses that they have, right? And But it, like, but then it comes down to, that comes out of the question for me, right? Are they good enough at that point to be the fifth seed over the Rockets? I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still going to put them I, – I think, for me, it's still going to be fifth or sixth seed for the Rockets. 
I, I listen, like if you had said this without saying that there were going to be top five, top three in offense, not even top five. Again, you were higher on that on the on their offense than I was. If you had said this without saying that, and then and then saying they're going to be fifteenth in defense, like I I would let you off the hook. That that that, that to me is, <laughs> that to me is where the cognitive dissonance is, right? Like that, that that's where the point of separation is. Um, all right. All right. Well, listen. I I I I get what you're. I get where you ultimately end up. You think they're going to be a forty-five-ish win team. You think you're going to be fifth or sixth in the Western Conference. I don't know where you land on the offense and the defense. I'm just going to assume you meant something else other than what you said. But, <laughs> but we have run out of time. Uh, Ali Khan, do you have anything uh, coming up that you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider. Um, you can also follow my work on the at the Athletic. I have a really really nice breakdown coming for you guys before the start of the season. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, more to come there and on Rockets Film Room on YouTube. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Make sure to read all his stuff at The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic. And yeah, guys, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give us five stars because it helps people find the podcast. Uh, and yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>